fight. Owen Liebel <laughs> just went after Chad Herb and rocked him with a right hand. Now they get together, and Liebel continues to rack up the majors here. Now Liebel to the right hand, puts Herb down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Liebel just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. I played major junior and professional hockey. Throughout my teenage years on the outside, everything looked perfect. When you're hot, you're hot. Brady Lee of old with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey that worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name is Brady Liebold and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, welcome to episode number eight, Hockey to Hell and Back, The Road to Recovery. You know this is Brady Liebold coming at you from Morrisburg, Ontario. I'm in Matt Thompson's basement. You can probably hear the dogs barking. I don't got much of a studio set up, uh, but we're going to do it anyways, guys. Thanks for joining me. If you're watching live, maybe you're listening, uh, wherever you're catching it, I surely do appreciate it. This is what's keeping me going. This is what's keeping me out of jail. This is what's keeping me clean. Uh, of course, my family is playing an intricate part as well. A little update there. Uh, hopefully, going to have Taylor and the kids up to Morseburg uh, very soon. Still kind of uh, house hunting, guys. Uh, but, you know, got everybody in the community kind of rallying looking, which has been awesome. Um, if you're in the South Dundas area, anywhere near Ottawa, come say hi to us at the One Stop Skate Shop here in Morrisburg. It's been a real treat. It's been a lot of fun getting to meet everybody in the community. Uh, obviously, getting to spend time with Matt every day. It doesn't even feel like we're going to work, to be honest. Uh, it was, it's been lots of fun. And uh, it's been a huge success, actually. Um, probably a little bit uh, more than we originally thought, actually. But that's exciting. We also got news that we're going to be moving into the back of that shop. If you've seen pictures, so we're going to move like uh, all the presses and we're going to get the embroidery machine in there. So we're going to be doing all that kind of stuff for the minor hockey uh, and as well for the Puck Sport Foundation is going to be kind of working out of there as well, doing our thing there, which is uh, it just makes it way easier. So it's exciting. Uh, anyways, guys, I don't really want to talk too much uh, i almost got in trouble last night i'll be honest uh we had a game i didn't play for the sole reason that i didn't want to fight because it's no contact and i almost got in a fight in the stands 
um, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but cooler heads prevailed. Uh, it's just one of those things when you're in the in the heat of the moment. It wasn't really in the stands. It was more in the tunnel, like underneath. It was just, you know, how guys are. Uh, it actually kind of felt good to get revving, roaring again like that. You know, even though I didn't have the gear on, it's like, okay. You know what I mean? This isn't just beer league hockey. It's senior men's. There's going to be fighting. There's hitting. I can wrap my head around this. I just got to get in shape. Uh, so, uh, kind of fun. Uh, Matt got in a little bit of a scrap last night. Um, I don't know if he wants me talking about it, but too bad, Matt. Next time, leave your gloves on. Um, anyways, uh, before we get into it, you know, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out. Teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. If you don't know what Team Issued is yet, that's Jesse Paradise's company, teammate of mine, Clone Rockets. You see Mark Stone wearing it in those documentaries during the playoffs. Uh, but pretty much everything I own is team issued because when I got out of jail, I had nothing. So thank you, Jesse. I say it all the time. Uh, but he was my second guest on the show. And then he just sent me a bunch of clothes and uh, been doing well with it ever since. And I love their brand. So um, thanks, Jess. Always shout out to you out in Winnipeg. Uh, love what you guys are doing. Okay, I think that's it for uh, for the beginning. There's more that we're going to talk about. I'm hoping that uh, Matt Caputo is going to join us uh, out from in Long Island later in the broadcast uh, once I'm done with my guest here uh, to update us about the Movember Classic. That's right. This guy has uh, organized the Movember Classic to raise money for prostate with the Movember campaign and... He's leading the way. They're ahead of the New Jersey Devils and the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how you guys can get involved uh, because I know I know that uh, when the time comes, like when I start to get older, you know, I'm hoping that there's a cure for, for that kind of stuff. And we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, hockey fights cancer here shortly. And um, there's a lot of great organizations and ways that we can get involved, uh, certainly in the hockey community. And uh, hockey is just a very small part of our lives, but a very big part of our lives. But uh, when we take the skates off or when we turn the TV off, when we're done watching, whatever it is, however your involvement is, coaching, uh, life happens. And uh, man, I don't know it uh, personally from that side of it, but you know, I lost my grandma to cancer um, and a close friend of mine, Donna Reed uh, has, has cancer right now. A close family friend of ours, a puck sport warrior hockey mom. She's uh, she's a kick-ass lady. Uh, good friend of mine. Um, keep fighting the good fight, Donna. But um, yeah, we're going to talk to Matt uh, about what he's doing out there and what he, how successful that tournament was. Uh, I love hearing stuff like this uh, when guys are stepping up, when Groups are stepping up. People are stepping up, getting together, uh, even through the COVID-19 um, and raising money and awareness um, and support for people. I think it's so important, whatever that may be. Uh, so, guys, let's do it. Um, I've said this before. I don't do the video intros on here anymore because uh, when I tried it with DMAC, it was an absolute nightmare and uh, not there yet. So we just keep them, keep them going. I got lots on the go. 
Uh, it's more about uh, a conversation, I think, anyways. But I do have a little audio intro. So see you guys in about six minutes, I think. If I can, uh, if I can get it going here. You may have heard me say it recently. On November the 13th, in fact, Friday, November the 13th, it rang in one year since I was released from prison. I know that I've repeatedly said how crazy and how unbelievable this past year has been, but it truly has been mind blowing. My battle through addiction just about killed me. And many times throughout each day, I wonder why it didn't. The opioid crisis has left a trail of tragedies across Canada and the United States. And unfortunately, it crept into the hockey community as well. The day that Derek Bugard passed away is still vivid in my mind. I was going through a rampant detox in one of my childhood's best friend's basements. He had no idea. In fact, nobody did. I was doing my best to hide it as usual. By then, I had already gone through the Oxycontin phase and I was now into heroin. I had now seen Rick Rippin pass away and Derek Rugard. This time, we knew it was from Oxycontin. That same day, I remember calling multiple detox facilities in the Lower Mainland in and around Vancouver, begging them to take me in. I never did see the doors of detox that time. But I did manage to make a small comeback to the Central Hockey League for the 2011-2012 season. And it was there that I played on the same team with Aaron Bugard. I'll talk about that more on a later episode. It took Derek Bugard losing his life for the hockey community to really wake up to the problem of painkillers. Or at least we thought they woke up. Following my brief stint in the Central Hockey League, I came home and instantaneously relapsed. My addiction started to take me to the places everybody told me it would, in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and in and around the recovery community. But I never believed them that I'd be homeless and certainly not in jail. Derek Bugard is just one of many hockey players that actually have lost their life to their battle with addiction that started with painkillers. After coming home from Texas, my connection to the hockey world was completely lost. I had no knowledge of what was going on, what gear was coming out, who was on what team, who was signing where, nothing, zero. I stopped hearing about hockey players in Oxycontin and the big reason is because Derek Bugart lost his life. I thought, hey, maybe the problem was fixed. I knew it was too good to be true. Just recently, TSN released a documentary called The Problem of Pain. It's based around the problem of pain in the NHL, about the mentality of players, fans, coaches, owners, hockey in general. There needs to be more onus on everybody. Certainly, the culture needs to change. But guys like Kyle Quincy, Ryan Kessler, and a former teammate of mine, Zenit Kanopka, spoke out on that documentary about a new drug called Toradol. 
I had heard about Toradol, but I was shocked that it was such a problem in the NHL. And it was actually hard for me to watch the documentary to sit there and see these young, healthy looking men having problems now after their careers have wound down and when all they were trying to do was be the best teammate they could. But more importantly, it was an act of self-preservation because they knew that if they weren't doing what it takes, somebody else was going to. As most of my listeners know, my focus right now is the Puck Support Foundation, making change in the hockey community while offering support, mental health and addiction, whatever issues may arise. But it's all about education. And I'm so grateful that guys like Kyle Quincy have stepped up and spoke out. Kyle Quincy was drafted in 2001 in the third round, 57th overall by the storied London Knights in the OHL priority selection draft. From there, he was drafted in the fourth round, 132nd overall by the Detroit Red Wings. After his OHL All-Star career, Quincy turned pro. Splitting time between the American League's Grand Rapid Griffins and the big club, the Detroit Red Wings. Before moving on to the Los Angeles Kings, the Colorado Avalanche, while coming back to the Detroit Red Wings. He also represented Canada in the World Championships in 2011-2012. Quincy went on to play another four years for Detroit before moving on to New Jersey, Columbus, and Minnesota before wrapping up his career overseas in Finland. Quincy said it best in the Problem of Pain documentary. He wasn't an all-star, but he did everything good. He said decent, but I'm going to say good. He was a really good hockey player. He did all the little things and he did whatever it took to stay there. But now he's paying the price. I've only spoken to him a couple of times, but I'm interested to hear what he says. I think our views are very much aligned. What I just recently found out about Kyle Quincy too, is that his son Axel just recently battled through a rare form of brain cancer. And he has now teamed up with Hockey Fights Cancer to share Axel's story. It's so inspiring. And I've gone through half a box of Kleenex just getting ready for this podcast, watching the different videos. It's a real honor to have him on. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Let's hear it from the man himself. Originally born in Kitchener, but he calls Orangeville his hometown. But now he's living in the Mile High City. Let's bring him in. Kyle Quincy. All right, guys, let's bring him in. There he is. Quince, what's going on, bud? What's up, Brady? How you doing? Doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, how is life out there in uh, Denver? Well, life anywhere right now is a little interesting, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's it's all good here. Sunny as as usual. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, man, I don't know where I even want to start with with everything because uh, there's so much going on. And and maybe uh, first off, I just uh, want to say. Uh, how awesome it is that uh, little Axel is is battled through. What a little fighter! I can't imagine, man. What a what a challenge that must have been as a as a parent. Uh, you guys had to to move people. Maybe you could talk about it a little bit more. Just explain if you don't mind, Kyle. Uh, just you know the situation with your little guy there. Yeah, it's been a journey. <clears throat> Things are uh, as of right now really good, uh, but so his birthday is April Fools, and March thirtieth. Um, I was hanging out with him, which, uh, which was normal because, uh, you know, I retired, uh, about a year ago uh, at that time and I was spending a lot of time with him. So we were finding out that he was uh, projectile puking, um, 
was he was very close to walking and then all of a sudden he just stopped trying and didn't even crawl just kind of was stationary his head <clears throat> he wanted to get as low as possible to the ground um so after a couple trips to the doctor you know they're gonna think it's the usual um this one day <clears throat> in march we're like okay it's time to go to the children's hospital and at that point the lady there at er decided that we, we should see a cat scan and for the first time we saw the brain mass uh we took him uh, in a ambulance to the other children's hospital here in uh in aurora in denver and um the pandemic was probably 10 days old and all you saw was people's eyes right so you're reading people's eyes. You're looking for any sign of hope, any sign of good news. There's there's no answers right now. Um, and uh, pretty much they said right away that he needs uh, emergency brain surgery. Um, so that happened April 2nd uh, after his first birthday. So, um, and it was one parent in, one parent out. So we were kind of... Oh. It was hard, and, it, and we have another son, Stone, who was two and a half at the time. <clears throat> and the borders closed, so uh, my family couldn't come in and support us. Um, it, it was, it was, it was everything at once, crazy. Yeah. And um, but uh, about ten days after that, they took the they took a piece of tumor out. They analyzed it, and uh, the report came back, and you know our fears were. Um, were real and appendomoma, which is uh, about fifty kids a year in the states get it. So um, not not uh, super. Uh, it's pretty rare, I guess. But uh, we were lucky that the people in Denver just finished a study for probably eight eight years, and uh, they learned that uh, that chemo was beneficial to do before the second surgery. So in, in Brad's um, saying, I guess, is uh, he, had a, he had a tumor that was wrapping around his brainstem and a lot of vital nerves. So the first surgery was to take, um, there was a blockage of brain oil fluid, spinal fluid coming to the top of, top of your head and it drains down the back of your spine. And because his uh, tumor were in the back of his head, it was blocking that. So that's why his body was trying to um, dehydrate itself as much as it could is just getting fluid out of it by projectile puking. Um, so that's first surgery was to get rid of that blockage, take about a third of that uh, tumor out. And then the chemo was to loosen up that tumor along the brainstem and the nerves for the second surgeon to come in. And because of the type of uh, tumor it is, they had to get every single bit of tumor or it would just rapidly grow back and we'd be in the same position. So we had about two months of chemo that we got to research and find out the best surgeon in the world. We'd go to the moon, really. Um, And we found him in um, Philadelphia. So we decided to move um, June, July, and August to do his second surgery. And then he had his radiation done there. And we got back here about August 28th. Um, So it's amazing to be home. you know, we jumped through a lot of different hoops with the first surgery, the chemo, the second surgery, and now the radiation. 
Yeah. Right now he has to go every three months to check up on our MRI. Um, but he's back. He's, he's almost walking on his own. He's buzzing. He's back buzzing with his brother is, uh, yeah, he's 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 doing awesome. And, uh, we're just happy to be home in Denver and watching him be a little boy again. That's amazing, man. That's the, that just is incredible. And I, I wish you guys all the best. And, um, like, like, how was it with the, with the other little guy with, cause you know, they're both so close in age, right? So how old are they both now? Axel would be. They're 14 months apart. So wow. April 1st, I'm guessing, I don't know, 20, 20 months now. Yeah. December 1st coming up. Uh, and then stone turns three in January 6th. So yeah, they're almost the same size. I think Axel mm-hmm. might even way more to be honest. Um, yeah. And any any father out there that knows it's uh, kind of it's hard to feed the kids at this age. So what happened? The first surgery, Axel got his uh, his uh, vocal cord was paralyzed, so anything he drank would go to his lungs. So they just pretty much stopped anything going into his mouth. So we put a he got fed through a G tube now, um, which is just a hole in the stomach that we hook up to a pump and we just pour pure diesel in in there so he gets the best of the best in a bag that goes right directly into his stomach yeah i, I always thought for performance i think it'd be amazing like if, no doubt if i could do that you know everything organic everything superfood all that stuff but so that's the one benefit is axel's getting amazing nourishment where the other yeah. one you're just begging to eat something <laughs> well that's awesome well that both at least they're both on their way to being like really healthy kids and um that was you know i honestly kyle because i didn't know like i'm just catching up on everything and obviously that's a really new story but you know is actually i just recently after you told me you were going to come on the show is i found out about it after so i actually was like holy i felt bad that i hadn't even heard about it so you know i spent the last few days just you know seeing all the different interviews and videos and like man i was like crying my eyes out and um it's just so nice to see there's some pictures where he's getting his hair back kyle and it just you know what you mean he's looking awesome so um that's amazing uh, i want to kind of transition into the hockey side of things quickly and uh just jump into let's talk about major junior a little bit about your decision to to jump to the o uh, versus the NCAA. Um, what, what's your thought on that now? Uh, obviously, you went on to have a, a, a very successful professional hockey career by any standards, like way beyond most kids could ever dream of, right? Like 500-plus games in the NHL. That's that's pretty incredible. I'm sure you wish it was 1,000 or whatever, but uh, it's maybe not. Well, I know how my body feels right now, and I tip my hat to those guys that get to a thousand. It's like, I didn't know how hard it was until, you know, you're getting, you're riding those buses for 10, 15 hours in the jungle that, which, which should probably count for three, you know, three times. Yeah. But, uh, pretty amazing that those guys play all those games. Um, you know, someone told me it's hard to get there, but it's harder to stay. So for those guys that play, you know, 15 years is 20 years is amazing. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, what about what about major junior for you? What kind of experience was that for you? Because we're hearing a lot of lot of different uh, things coming with guys speaking up now about, uh, and you don't have to talk about any personal personal experiences, but uh, 
from things you saw, I mean, we, we hear about this stuff and, and I'll be honest, I saw a lot of it myself. I went through quite a bit of it where maybe at the time, like I remember like being actually, and I've never shared this, but I remember, you know, being in the shower as a rookie in Swift Kern and like having bleach thrown on me and mopped with mops and everything like just terrible, like shampoo, bottles of shampoo, can't see in my eyes, eyes are burning like bleach, like from the toilet, like, and I wasn't the only one, you know what I mean? So I remember feeling like kind of down, whatever, but lapped it up. I certainly never did that to the rookies when I got older. Um, we tried to phase it out, and I think there was different things put in place. Um, but it was one of these things that was like, well, that's just the culture of hockey, so I'm just going to deal with it. What about what did you see in, in junior, Kyle? Yeah, like um, I can talk about this because uh, one of my best friends, Dan Carcillo, has been very open about it. Um, but uh, just kind of to your point, uh, he played in Sarnia. I played in London. Um, we were rivals and, uh, we battled like just, we were rookies at the same time. Very similar. We played in the same lines together. So like I would be matched up against him Yeah, and they had like nine heavies. So I would pick him, uh, which is crazy. Uh, because there's other guys, there's no chance, but, uh, um, he got traded our team in Mississauga. I got traded first and he got traded, uh, after that. And we became really tight and he would, we'd sit around have beers and talk about, you know, his time in Sarnia about the, the paddle, his, um, the, the veterans would go around and paddling the rookies. And the, when the coach got involved, it's just like, you know, that's so yeah. weird. But, uh, yeah. at the time, you know, you're just 19, 20 years old. You're just like, ah, you know, that's that's nuts. You know, you don't even think anything of it because that's just almost the way it was. And like everyone had their different story, but you know, now we're retired, we're grown men and we both have children and and you're looking back on it. You're like, you know, there's no reason for that. Like I I wasn't, you didn't make me a better person for paddling me in front of the team. No, you know, um, there's a, there's a, like the old school mentality, I guess you can call it. I don't know if it's, that's the right word, but, uh, you know, to earn your stripes, to uh, to show that you're a good teammate by, you know, putting up with initiation um, of some sort. And, uh, you know, I think that's – like I don't want to take that away from the game that, like, these these rookies need still need to clean the bus. They need to, they need to pack the bus. They need yeah. to pick up the pucks after – they need to fill the water bottles. Yeah. You can't come in as a rookie and think you're, uh, you know, you, like some of the, some of the people now, you know, they're they're entitled, right? So um, I don't think that abusing these kids is the way to do it. But um, you know, some of the stuff, like even the stuff you just talked about, like bleach in the showers, and um, you know, I think the, you're you're getting hazed by eighteen year olds, so like they're not they don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to instill that in you and they're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Like I still remember the hot box in the shower on the way home from the bus. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, throwing change in there and you got four or five, six naked guys trying to f- find yep. the change and get out of there. And you're in there for 15, 20 minutes, can hardly breathe and it's hot. And, um, you know, I remember singing the anthem in the middle of a movie in London, yeah. you know, saying jokes in front of the, you know, I heard uh, all these stories, but I wasn't part of a lot of the, like the sexual stuff. Um, so I can't really speak to that, but 
I remember I was still in the league, I think, when that uh, Akeem Alou kind of – he was the first one that really blew the whistle on Windsor. And I think at that point, a lot of things changed. Uh, and that was 2002, 2003. Yeah. So that was a big step in the OHL for sure. And I don't know how it was in the Western League, but um, I know that was the first time that maybe it was brought to their attention. But they, you know, when I say they, it was, uh, I think it's uh, Commissioner Branch, I think is, was his name. Yeah, David but Branch. He, yeah, David Branch. He, he, they, the OHL put things in the locker room saying, like, hazing will not be tolerated. Um, and there was an initiative to nip in the butt. And I think it, I, it, it did, for sure. From where it was to now, and I'm not saying it's good now because I don't know, but it was getting out of, it was ridiculous. You know, the stories back, back in the day. Yeah. And I see it's interesting because you say you didn't, you weren't involved in the sexual stuff. And like, so originally I would have thought, okay, well me either by the coaches, but then I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, the change in the bathroom was six naked guys. I, yeah, I was in the situation that's, multiple times. that's sexual yeah. abuse. Like that is yeah. not okay. Like, so that, you know what I mean? And that was something Man, I can't. I think that probably happened to me on two or three different teams, including the under seventeen team. Um, and I'll share too that in Swift Current, that uh, was part of the thing. Uh, actually, my very first after my rookie year, it stopped happening. But we used to have to go to the movies dressed up like girls in like mini skirts and everything to the movie theater on like the busiest on a Friday, the first Friday night or whatever it is that we didn't play. And we were in town like the busy night, you know, and with all the veterans walking it like purse, everything is super embarrassing, right? Like it's, you know, and so, the stuff too, like that, um, you know, it's coming out and it's, I think it's just more and more talked about. It's always been there, but like just the mental health side of yeah. society, hockey, everything like what did that and and like you said in the intro like we were so good hockey players are so good at compartmentalizing stuff bearing stuff and um i don't know what the word is but if your if your wrist was banged up you would find a way to use your hands more or your biceps your shoulder or you would compensate i mm -hmm. guess would be the same thing so um what did that stuff when we were 15, 16, all the way to, you know, in our, those are pretty important years and the mental issues that, you know, a person I'm dealing with and other guys are dealing with, did that have a factor? I would probably assume yes, but we never knew at the time, you know, that was just, it was just another day you figured out how to deal with it and you moved on. Right. Yeah. And because you have to, because if you don't, then, you know, your, your time there is probably going to be very short, right? Like, cause every single guy, once you get to a certain level, um, is pretty much doing everything they can to stay there. I mean, we know there's those top echelon guys, wherever you go, whether it's major junior or pro, like the Crosby's and Nick David's and all of that. But, um, aside from those guys, I mean, it's a battle every single year to keep your job because there's a new crop coming every year. Um, and I mean, you guys taught, you talked about that a lot and we'll get into that a little bit. If you don't mind, like the problem of pain, uh, documentary, um, I, I had no idea, um, that Toradol, uh, was such an issue because I had been removed from the game. I too had been prescribed Toradol back when I was playing, but it was brief and then I was removed from the game. So I just hadn't thought about it. Right. And the oxys really got me. 
Um, but to sit there and and watch, you know, guys like you and, and Kessler, who I grew up really watching in Vancouver, um, even, you know, even though he played for the States and, you know, I wanted to hate him, he still respected what he did on the ice. Uh, to see, to see guys, you know, you guys look so young, so healthy and, and, you know, there's just this chance uh, where you could, the same thing could be happening with you at Kessler, but maybe you could touch on it more, maybe the difficulties you're having, but uh, it's, it's certainly a problem. Um, we could talk about why that is, but if you don't mind sharing uh, your experience with, with the whole Toradol epidemic and just letting people know all about it, because I don't think a lot of people, I don't know if everyone saw it, right? So, and I want to make sure everyone knows. Yeah, I'll kind of go from the start. So I had a phone call from uh, Rick Westhead, who um, I have a lot of respect for and yes. spend a couple of days with here. And some of his stories were pretty crazy. Um, but uh, he kind of he came in and he, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to talk about Tordal. It was just like an open conversation. And, you know, I didn't know um, who else he was talking to or – how the story was going to come about. So it, it, it really, it was organic how it happened. Um, and like we talked for two days. So there's obviously a lot of stuff that didn't go in there, but you said it in that intro. Um, my, my whole philosophy and what I was trying to say in that documentary was education. So, you know, as a hockey player, you have blind faith, when it comes to what the team tells you, the trainers, the doctors. But at the end of the day, and it's tough to say because it's from, you know, could be as early as 12 years old. Uh, it's not really a game. It's a profession even then. Um, but you have to, as an athlete, you have to educate yourself and everything you put in your body, especially now with, like, you can't go to GNC and, you know, assume you're just going to pass a, a drug test with uh, all that stuff they're putting in that stuff. So educating education is the biggest thing. And you touched on it with when Boogie died. Um, I personally know two people that were very close to me that were amazing hockey players that it's him dying saved their life. And I, I have no doubt about it. But again, that was a long time ago where these young kids might not have remembered or know who that is or that whole story. So that was part of the reason why I thought it was important to do that is just to keep it in mind where like that was a very tragic thing that happened. But it, like, I like to turn things into a positive where I think his yeah. death saved like I, I don't know how many lives, but thousands for sure Yeah, because – when you had a surgery back then, it was it was thirty, it was thirty times five refills. No no questions asked. There you go, buddy. Have a, you know, meltdown on the couch, and there was no education. Okay, what is this like for every, for how good this feels? How bad? Mm -hmm. How bad is this for me? There was none of that. There was no educating of what exactly am I taking. It's amazing, thank you. But what what is uh, what what's the backside like for every for record? There's a course of action for everything, right? Like for every yin, there's a yang. Yeah. Um. So that was my kind of thing: is just educate yourself. For there is there you need to take total at some points in the playoffs. Again, not every day, not the whole season. Um. You know, I learned that through this documentary. I had no idea. 
any of that stuff that you couldn't take it every day or um, what it did to your stomach. Um, and that's a fault for me because I did have that blind faith for sure. I never questioned anything, especially earlier in my career. Um, go see this doctor. Fine. Uh, take this. Sure. Uh, what do I got to do to play tomorrow? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest thing with this documentary, just education and figure out what it is, why, what does it do to me? How am I going to feel in five, 10 years? Well, how am I going to feel tomorrow? Um, that's pretty much the uh, whole thing. It's, I'd say it's a really good point. And I think, you know, I know that, you know, I certainly had no education on it either, uh, out West coming from junior and it's not. Uh, a big part of uh, what what I'm trying my vision with Pucksport and and other people's is not to crucify anybody. It's about or one team or, or blame. Um, that's not my. Maybe there's some cases where that needs to be done, but that's not for me. That's not my course of action. Um, uh, like you mentioned again, is the education. So where where do we go from here, Kyle? Like where do we need to initiate that education? Uh, at what level? At what age? Uh, should this be a part of, you know, like Hockey Canada, Hockey USA? Uh, because I think it should be. I think there should be a program. Like if kids are going to be playing their whole lives, they're going to be hurt at some point, whether it's whatever, concussion, a broken bone. So do we educate the parents and the players at a young age? What, what do you think is the answer? Uh, I don't think there is one answer to everything, but yeah. – um, you know, if you start from the top, you know, the, and again, like you said, like this is not the crucify because the past is the past and we were all, we all played a part in it and yeah. we're all better now than we were 10, 20 years ago. So there's no point of going back and saying, da, 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 da. but everything that, <clears throat> like you said, it's for the future and to benefit the kids coming up the next wave, right? Always leave the game better than you left it. So you know, the NHL, uh, they have trainer meetings every every summer, you know, for the trainers to get together and, you know, talk about their union and their job to, you know, be better trainers for the next year. Um, but I don't – I can't see why there can't be a doctor there to just to explain every single drug that is on the shelf in the, in the locker room and explain the ups and downs of each one. Because <clears throat> to say that – you know, Tortles banned or Mobix banned or all of this stuff, these anti-inflams that I needed at the end of my career to get through the season. Because um, if you ban it, it doesn't matter. I'll still find it because mm -hmm. this is the difference between me having a job, a career, and not. Right. Um, when you dedicate your whole life to something, it's you can't just uh, say, oh, I'm just going to be, be an accountant now. Yeah, I mean, that's mm -hmm. just not, it's just not how it works. So it starts with the trainers because those young guys coming in, um, they look to them as like a father figure almost. Like I, I'm injured, I, I'm hurt, I need your expertise to get out there. And these trainers in my career have been amazing people. They've all been father figures. The beauty of, of, of uh, the hockey culture is, uh, you know, we tip those guys out and um, it's almost like they're part of our family. Yep. So I know they want to be part of the solution. 
that's a big part of their job. And um, I would really, really hope that the GMs and the owners would love to be part of the solution. Um, and really, it's just, it's education. That's all it is. And uh, it's a good point. And so there was, um, I can't, I wish I had it written down. To, there was a trainer featured in that documentary there with Bobby Ryan, worked for the San Diego Gulls, and he actually got fired for trying to introduce CBD. Yeah. We can get to that. But before we do, I just want to put this up. Not the best picture. So this is on pucksupport.com. Um, we're going to be talking about this more coming up. Uh, but for anybody listening, I'll just say this is called the shot you uh, didn't want to take. So this was actually an um, educational seminar put on by James Gardner, First Star Therapy. Uh, and it was it's incredible. It's all about mental health and addiction in sport. Uh, he is uh, he himself is an athletic therapist. This is for like the the sport community, um, definitely hockey community, um, and it's just about education. Um, and it's it's available for purchase on PuckSupport.com. Uh, he actually did it, and they raised thirteen hundred dollars for PuckSupport uh, through this um, original live seminar. Uh, but now it's available for purchase uh, on PuckSupport.com. And honestly, guys, uh, it's uh, incredible. Uh, we're going to make a little clip uh, video to show you guys like what's actually in it. But I think, Kyle, um, maybe I'll send it to you if you want to check it out. Maybe if you have like times one night, you can watch it and let us know what you think. Maybe there's things we could include or or whatever. Uh, but James and them did such an amazing job. Um, but to keep going with that, uh, you know, it's it is a tricky situation when we talk about uh the players uh relationships with the owners and then the owners relationships with the big medical companies which we saw featured in that documentary a lot of these uh doctors are paying the teams to be the team doctor right to have that name to be like hey i'm the so-and-so doctor right and then you know you guys are you know as young guys especially are going to get them further you know first opinion and of course what are they going to do they're going to want you to get back on the ice right they're paying you let's get back on the ice um but a lot of guys are going for second opinions uh but the problem uh too is different options where are we at with the different options we talked about cbd that guy almost got that guy got crucified for even suggesting it uh do we see uh cannabis being acceptable cannabis products like cbd in the hockey community in the near future uh you're not too far removed from uh the nhl uh so where are we at with that do you think it's hard for me to like i'm in it in denver so I'm on the forefront of this and I got to, I got to spend on a daily basis with brilliant, brilliant people that are on the cutting edge of cannabis, CBD, psilocybin. Um, so I, I see it every day and I, and I personally know it works. So I, I can only, I just have to think that they're can't be far behind. They, they, I don't know. I'm, I'm an optimist, I guess, but, uh, I'd be very surprised if uh, with all of this new data that's coming out that, you know, the NHL doesn't have it in their dressing rooms and, you know, I don't know, three, five, five years, but, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, it's hard to explain the grind when you're not in it, but, you know, when you're uh, like when you're in the Western league and you're riding the, the iron lung, the bus to uh, 
you know, a four and five or um, even like a, even like a normal back to back and you, you roll into the city at two o'clock and you know, you got to get up at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock for breakfast and go for a walk, get back to sleep. And you know that if you don't get those six, seven hours at night that you're, you're screwed for the, the game, like as a teammate almost, and to keep your job to perform the next day, like it's almost, it got to a point where like I'd be selfish not to take an Ambien to be sure that I got those at least four or five hours of sleep. Now, everyone's different with their uh, sleep and uh, how their mind works, but now being um, out, of, out of the game and I don't have that stress uh, to perform and I've started to experiment with the, C- the CBD and the CBN and the CBG and how amazing my sleep is like, and how good I feel the next day to, and, and to be able to perform like I just want to share that information with the boys so they can live a better life and perform better. I don't know how to explain what I've, what I've figured out to the NHL, to the people that are making those decisions. But, you know, it, it'd be an amazing day once they see that light and the boys have more options to uh, healthier options to take care of themselves and perform. And yeah, and I I long for that day as well because you know I I talk to quite a few guys too, and I mean we we look to the hockey culture and and alcohol is quite a big part of it. Guys, you know, having a few beers after the game, and a lot of it is to take that edge off. And I was I've been thinking about it a lot. Like I put myself in the position of an owner uh, or a general manager or even a coach, um, and I say, and I'm thinking I'm going if if my players need to use something. Um, and they're either going to smoke a joint or they're going to drink beer. I'm picking the joint every single time. Um, For so many different reasons. Exactly. Like cannabis is very social, right? You smoke a joint. You really don't smoke them by yourself a lot. Like you're, you're going to share it. It's a communal thing. Um, what, what are the, uh, the downsides of cannabis? You're probably going to probably eat a little too much and maybe fall asleep on the couch. Um, I don't know anyone that gets into goes to the bar and gets in fist fights and gets and get, goes to jail for assaults. Um, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of like I'm, I'm guessing the coaches and the GM's fears. Like, like I would rather a guy go eat, which is important. Where a lot of guys will just crush twelve beers, don't want to ruin their buzz, and just get their calories through that. Um. I don't know. There's just so many positives to it. But again, you're fighting the stigma that's been a long time, right? So and a lot of these people that are in power right now are grew up with that stigma. So again, it's, you have to understand why they're fighting. It's been burned into them from a, from their, when they were a child. So to all of a sudden say the exact same thing that they've been told was the devil's lettuce or a gateway drug, which is like the biggest bullshit ever. Um, they need to relearn a new stigma, right? And the fact that alcohol is so widely okay and just listen to your body, how bad you feel after tying one on. Like you can't smoke enough to feel bad the next day. 
I don't think it's possible. (laughs) Certainly not like alcohol. Certainly not like alcohol does. That's crazy. That's such a good point. And uh, I never really thought about the communal side of it too. And it's kind of interesting because it's the common theme from the guys that I've spoke to that are actively playing. They say that's what they do. They meet up with the boys to smoke a joint. You know what I mean? And like, I'd rather them do that than meet up and, and have beers and you got to worry about drinking and driving and, and all that other stuff. And sure, you're not supposed to drive when you when you smoke, but in you know, I'm not gonna sit here and advocate for it. But I would rather somebody be behind the wheel of a car. Driving too slow. Yes, yeah. driving too slow <laughs> yeah. and, and erratic and drunk. And um it's it's kind of a interesting point. Where are we at with the psilocybin? Because um, that's something that I do as well. And uh, I might hop over and grab the bottle because um, there's a company up here for anyone in Canada that wants to uh, check into it. And I always say 19 years and older because, you know, and, and of course, I hope pe- the majority of people listening to my podcast are 19 years and older. And um, we're working on getting something to, to get to the kids. And maybe that doesn't involve me as much. I'm not sure. But we do want to learn or cer- certainly put some together to to have them learn everything that we're talking about the right way. And I think Riley Cote is a, the guy maybe to to help in that fashion. He's going to be on the show again soon. He's already been on twice uh, back before I ever experimented with uh, the, the microdosing of psilocybin. But before you take it away here, um, to anybody in Canada... So I believe it was August the 5th. Um, if it wasn't the 5th, it was a day or two around there. Maybe the 2nd. Um, doesn't matter. But uh, they passed the first palliative care law up here in Canada, which means uh, for psilocybin. So uh, people uh, in palliative care are now have the option for psilocybin treatments, which is amazing because if you look at the history, um, you know, a decade, 15, maybe 20 years, I don't know how long it's been, but that was the trend with cannabis, with marijuana. That's where it started uh, with cancer patients, with people who were using it. And then they start to see all the benefits everywhere else with it. But it takes getting in, breaking down a door like that to really open up the door for people to see. And I hope uh, that people will just take time to get educated because for me, like you said, I've um, seen nothing but benefits from it. Um, and it's really opened my eyes. So uh, is that something that you uh, are currently using or have used uh, as far as psilocybin? And and if so, uh, what's kind of the regimen that works for you? Yeah, how, how I got involved with it is Dan Carcillo started um, Made Plant Health. Okay. Um, so he sent me, you know, it's a, it's a mushroom blend. Yeah, so there's not just one mushroom. There's, you know, I think 10 or 12 different ones, chaga, lion's mane. Reishi, and with a mix of CBD and, and talking to people here, I found that 50 milligrams of CBD is the kind of like the prime. Yeah. You take too much. You're just kind of peeing it out. You kind of just wasting money a little bit. That's what the doctors tell us anyway. But it was uh, kind of a, a program that he, he put me on and it was 30 doses. So about a month. And it was, it was a micro dose of psilocybin with a, microdose of cbd so totally non-psychoactive and um that's the future really you know there's uh there's uh the hero dose that has been talked about on uh, 60 minutes and hbo with uh, brian gumbel which was last week with dan you know going to peru and doing ayahuasca and then these ufc fighters and these guys these some of these ufc guys have never taken a, a drug 
in their life. Um, and you know, we're full blown alcoholics that they take one hero dose of psilocybin and three, four or five months later, they haven't had a sip of alcohol. So right now, I think uh, I think the FDA is has uh, given some people um, I, I don't know the name of it, but uh, like the the data that's come in has been so amazing that they have approved them to keep doing research and yeah. the green light to take it to the next level. So when all of this data comes together, it's you know the big farm will probably fight it, but it's it's black and white. There's 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 going to be thousands and thousands of people that can attest to, you know, um, fear of dying. They don't have that fear anymore. Uh, alcoholism, opioids. So we have a huge problem um, with, with opioids right now. And if we have a drug like psilocybin that you can do a ceremony with a shaman or call him what you want. If you want to put a white lab coat on him, fine. But these these people are going there as their last option because they've tried everything else and they're be they're becoming cured. And I'm not talking like a week later. I'm talking years later. Yeah. So when you have all this data and these people that are you know saying that this saved their life, um, like how do you not, as a society, put money aside and say, okay, this is the real deal? Yeah. Um, like let let it work. And I, I love talking to active players and they're saying how it's changed their life. Um, you know, Colin Wilson coming out and talking about his OCD and uh, his psychedelics that has helped him, um, you know, get through and survive. It's important. And it's, it's important for guys to share their stories because um, it's not, Again, you're fighting a stigma that we're hippies or we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, it's we, it's a plant and it is saving people's lives and it's it's the real deal. Yeah, and and that's a great point. It, it all comes back. You have to realize anybody listening, it is it's a plant and. We're so quick as a society to just go to the doctor and yep, take that prescription. Yep, go fill it, and we'll just. No idea. The doctor doesn't even have a clue what the hell it really is either most of the time. Um, you know, and honestly, like when a new drug comes out, you start to realize, you start to see things like, I don't know if you know the drug Seroquel, but might might be the most overprescribed drug in history. Like I, because I was around a lot of different things. I was in psych wards. I was in treatment centers. I was in jail. I was in, you name it, all these different places. Uh, and they were literally prescribing this thing for for everything right and it's made me do some more research and anybody else wants to learn more about it it's not the only drug that's out there we were seeing things about the uh purdue pharma with oxycontin and all of this and how it was over prescribed uh there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are still in that mindset of just we're going to listen to the doctor we're going to listen to pharma and this stuff is outlawed. Like you said, it's ingrained into them. The devil's lettuce, um, their whole lives. There's going to school, their teachers, uh, they're saying it's bad. The policeman's saying it's bad. Their parents are telling them it's bad. It's a hard transition, but what can we do, uh, as you know, players, maybe you more so than me, but what can we do, uh, to, to continue, 
you know, allowing people to expand their minds to this option. Because at the end of the day, Kyle, this has already and it will continue to save lives. And not only that, it has the a huge capacity to prolong guys' careers, which these owners need to wake up to. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, yeah, no, there's a performance side of it too. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it's just educating. Um, you know, I was listening to you talk at the start and uh, I retired and really didn't know what to do with my time. And um, I threw myself into the Avalanche Alumni Association, uh, which needed some needed someone just to kind of work at it to get it off the ground, uh, to say a long story short. But part of part of that job that I've taken on is educating the guys. So, um, you know, the big part of our thing is to take care of the alumni, pretty much all NHL guys, American league guys, all pro guys that call Colorado home. Um, so a big part of, of what I do is guys that are in are having, you know, mental issues, concussion problems, pain, all of it is educating someone to tell them that this is an option. I'm not forcing their hand. I don't own a mushroom company. I don't own a CBD company. I have no financial interest, but it's just educating and then telling them the, of what I'm doing, what my friends are doing, what their peers are doing and, and what, how the benefit is helping us. And you can make this choice if you want to try it or not. But a lot of people don't even know it's an option. That's so right. That's the biggest thing is just, telling them that this is an option. And again, even for me, seeing it on TV on 60 Minutes and HBO Sports, like that's a big deal. Yeah. Like there's one thing of us talking, like us talking and yeah, yeah, it's great. Like I got a great uh, trip on Zoomers last night. Yeah, it was great. But like when you see it on HBO in 60 Minutes especially, it gets legit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the big um, ones. Again, you're, uh, we're fighting a stigma. It's it's not going to happen overnight, but that ball has to start rolling. It might have to be a generational thing for, you know, when us or our kids get to the – get old enough to be in power and make, you know, decisive uh, action. But um, the fact that it's we, – we, the biggest thing is it has to not be a Schedule One drug so now these companies can create all the data and the research for it to come out um, – and that is happening, but very slowly. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, if, if the data shows this, that people can't, they shouldn't, you know, go away from the facts. <clears throat> but uh, I, the ball is rolling slowly, <laughs> but um, it's going. So it's exciting. Well- yeah, and it's it's a good point. I'm glad you brought up Carcillo. Uh, I talked to him briefly. I don't know him, but I know he's been uh, doing a lot of advocacy work. And in some cases, he's sort of been uh, blasted. Um, and, you know, at first I was kind of being like, okay, well, maybe he is a little offside. But then I started doing my research and it was like, you know what? Like, no, like he's being blasted because there's certain people that don't like what he's doing because they don't want to see change. And, you know, so, 
you know, there's it takes guys to take bullets like Carcillo has and he keeps fighting. You know what I mean? He just keeps battling through and speaking up for what he believes in. And that's what we need is more guys like that and you and and other guys just, you know, showing what works and just speaking truth. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I know it, it kind of, when you're like... I, it's an option. You said, I'm like, but I'm like, is it an option for these guys? Are they getting crucified? Like that trainer is like, if a guy in the NHL right now goes to the, to the team coach and is like, yep. Um, uh, I go home every night and I smoke a joint. Uh, I'm taking CBD and a microdose and I'm watching like, how is, what is your, like, depending on what coach, but like, generally speaking, the hockey culture in addressing you from a management perspective, what is that being viewed up? like right now in the NHL. Yeah. The guys aren't doing that. <laughs> I, I can say that uh, pretty confidently that they're going to do that on their own. Um, the NHL is uh, ahead of the game for sure with not testing, um, you know, cannabis at a level that like the NFL guys are getting caught for having an edible on an off day. And then the next day, because we do our, our P tests, usually the morning after a day off, which is a day that, you know, you should probably give the mind a, a break and just, you know, take an edible on the couch and chill and just reset the, the systems a bit. Um, and another thing about mushrooms, it rewires your brain to a point. So you get stuck in these channels, um, especially within a, during a week of a hockey season, playing two, three games with a couple practices with a, some travel, it'd be nice to just set the reset button, which is what those uh, two things do. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I truly believe that guys are, uh, they're going to figure out a way how to benefit themselves to perform and to have the best life they can while they're doing this very stressful job. But again, they're not telling people. And a lot of the guys... Uh, most of them are doing it like me when I'm retired and I don't have to answer to anybody or worry about getting fired. I don't have a, I don't have a job. I don't sell anything. So I have, I can speak freely. Yeah. Um, because all I care about really is just taking care of the guys and making sure that the next wave or, and the guys that are struggling, um, the alumni that they know their options and, and that so um it's very hard to speak out when you're actively playing because there's so much to lose so much to lose and there's i, I don't it'd be nice for a guy to speak out and the coach going like whoa let me let me uh, do some research what are you talking about oh this is amazing stuff yeah i don't see that happening it should but i don't think so not yet anyways um it's I think though we could we could see it. Um, you know, there's a couple of different guys. Like I talked to D Mac, and he's got a couple of different ideas for things that he's rolling out soon, like a CBD roll on and uh, different things down in the states. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, before I let you go, um, you know, the transition out of hockey is it's been well. I don't know if it's been well documented, but people know that it's it's a struggle uh, for a lot of guys, uh, depending on 
doesn't really matter what level you're coming uh, out of. And in some cases could really make no difference how much money you have in the bank. Um, just losing that camaraderie, that team, that purpose uh, can in oftentimes in some cases, uh, guys take their own lives, uh, which we've seen um, and fall into addictions and different things. Um, how has it been for you? Uh, and uh, without, you know, obviously saying any names, uh, has it been uh, a problem that you've noticed um, or is it uh, not maybe as a big of a problem as, as people think? No, it's a giant problem. Um, and the, the, pro the, the, the scary thing is there's not, a, there's not a, a one answer for everybody. But, and it's hard to talk about it because I'm financially set. I have, um, you know, beautiful wife, family, my house is paid off. And I'm dealing with depression and mental health issues. And I'm going to whine about it to the public that, and, and, and it's part of it is, is like, why, why would anyone feel s sympathy for me? Um, so that, that, that's a lot of stuff that I think about. And then it's like, why do I feel so bad? Like, why do I have a bad day? Why? And there's just no answers and it's frustrating. So Personally, I quit playing hockey. Um, I was thinking about playing again, you know, in Germany or Switzerland or somewhere that, that would have me. Um, and then I get knocked out again on a mountain bike here in Denver. So that was kind of the writing on the wall. Okay, enough's enough. My brain was – I was getting concussions very easily. Yeah. And the glass jaws, they say. But um, I feel like I feel like I had more to give. My body was in – decent shape um but then i go from playing in front of you know twenty thousand people on a nightly basis to you know being a stay-at-home dad with no job so um that's why i kind of poured myself into the alumni to have a purpose um it's hard you know the guys i think that are doing the best they roll in right into a broadcasting job or another thing is too, is like our life is structured from a very early age buses at eight o'clock, check in the hotel, team meeting at 10 practices at two um, team meals. We're very regimented people when you don't have a job or don't have a purpose, there is no regimen. So you have to figure out a way to, make that your for yourself yeah. and me personally you know my purpose right now is my my kids but it's tough being at like i love being outside i love building stuff i love just you know accomplishing something every day when you know you have to tell yourself that your accomplishment is making sure your kids are fed and in bed at a certain time and that is a huge thing but it's you know you know, it's hard to tell yourself that 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 is a huge accomplishment. Um, I definitely didn't have enough respect for stay-at-home moms. It's one of the hardest jobs I can think of. Um, I'm doing it right now and hopefully doing a pretty good job. But uh, um, it's been very it's been very tough the transition. Um, I'm still doing it. You know. Um, this whole COVID thing is uh, making it even harder, but uh, 
you know, definitely talking about it and helping other guys getting through it and hearing their stories and knowing that I'm not alone. That's right. Um, I'm going through a lot of the diff- same stuff as a lot of guys uh, having, you know, 15 concussions. Um, I have a lot of fear of what the future holds yeah. for my brain. Um, that's why I'm actively taking CBD and psilocybin yep. to, for those neural generative generators that uh, neural protectors protectors that um, are going to help me in the future and getting through the day to day. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm dealing with it. You know, I'm b- battling through like everything else, but I'm a little fearful for the future. Um, but doing everything in my power to educate myself, surround myself with uh, people that care and uh, you know, hopefully we can find an answer here to um, kind of help guys out. And But I think talking about it is a huge, huge benefit personally for me, for sure. Yeah. And that seems to, and it is for me too. And that's another thing. That's a, the beauty of me getting to do this podcast. And I've had a lot of great pe- things. People say how they've listened and it's helped them. But at the end of the day too, it helps me because I get to talk and I get to listen and I get to share stories, hear stories. And it's sort of like a little mini meeting, depending on what the topic is. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just keeping that conversation open. And a lot of my podcasts are based around sort of that education piece uh, about what we can do and uh, about guys' experiences, in some cases, women experiences, because I've mentioned this before, but some people don't know that uh, the NCAA women's hockey is number two behind uh, men's football. Um, at least it was on the list that I saw. I'll have to find it. Uh, and I've been, I actually was on multiple lists uh, for concussions. And I believe that's because they're not taught how to hit and they're skating around with their heads down. And then when you're skating around your, with your head down and you get jarred in your neck, and it's those little you know, hits and the things when you're not paying attention that can really have the lasting effects. So, um, you know, it's like you said, constant education piece, but Kyle, I don't minimize the fact that just because you have your house paid off and uh, everything else that you're not allowed to feel a certain way, man, because, um, regardless, like I said, uh, you know, things, material things are material things. Uh, you have your family and I'll say to you too, like, you know, there's many people in my life that were like, looked at me like when I was going through my addiction, like, you know, he should get clean for his kids. He should be doing this for his kids. He should be doing. It. And I'll tell you, my mental health and my addiction was so powerful that especially the opiate addiction was like, as much as I love my kids, as much as I loved hockey, as much as I love my family, as much as all of it, it, it all went away like, like that. So, you know, and, and, at the end of the day, Kyle, like, yeah, don't minimize uh, how you're feeling about uh, the way you're certainly allowed to feel that way. Uh, and uh, I think you're doing a great job speaking up about it. Uh, you're setting a great example for not only uh, the guys in the Colorado alumni, but guys all around uh, the league, past players, uh, for current players, and uh, maybe more importantly, the next generation, uh, because I think that's uh, really where we need to really make the biggest focus because we can support the ones who are struggling, but I would like to see the day where less guys are struggling, whether whatever that is, the transition into hockey, uh, because it's, it's all the way through East coast, AHL, NHL, Europe, whenever that, that dream is done. Um, it's, it's like a shot to the heart. Um, and, uh, it seems like a lot of guys just go on aimlessly. Um, and, uh, before I go, actually I'll run up, hold on one sec, check this out.
like this guy, for example, and this is a funny story. Not the story isn't funny, but this the story about how I got this book is funny. So that's Finding Murph by Rick Westhead. So actually, I had this book before Rick had a copy of it. The publisher sent me a copy directly because I reached out to them trying to find Joe Murphy, um, who was first overall pick and is still homeless. I spoke to Joe on uh, Facebook, uh, FaceTime or whatever, a few months ago. And uh it's tragic. And you know what I mean? So there's a guy that was first overall, had the world by the balls, Stanley Cup with the Oilers and, uh, you know, just a uh, terribly sad story. So it's been happening for for a long time. And uh, shout out to Rick Westhead. Uh, we didn't talk about him much, but I thought he did. A, I wanted to ask. Yeah, it's him. a great piece. Yeah, he did such a good job. He does such a great job with everything. He's actually going to be coming on the, the podcast, too, uh, in the near future. We're kind of talking back and forth about a couple different things that he's working on. And uh, it takes guys like him and guys like you and Kessler and everybody else, because without that, um, nothing, nothing's going to change at all. So um, Kyle, man, I know you, uh, you got to do the dad thing. So uh, head on, uh, head on and be the stay at home dad. And and what a great uh, honor that is though, isn't it? Isn't it awesome being at home with your kids? Yeah, no, children's is uh, you take or you, you get what you put in. So um, I'm very uh, grateful for uh, being, being able to spend all the time that I do with them and seeing them grow every day is pretty pretty amazing. Cool. Um, actually, before before you go, I'm just going to bring in bring in Matt Caputo before uh, if you want to say hi to Kyle Quincy. But this is uh, the, the man behind the mustache classic uh, out in new york uh long island raising money um so uh kyle thanks for doing this i'm gonna chat here with matt but um we wanted to uh talk a little bit more about the hockey fights cancer with axel but maybe we can get you on again um and when axel's feeling really good maybe he can make a little appearance and say hi to everybody and, and uh show how well he's doing yeah tmaxfoundation.org check it out there's uh, all the, the whole okay. stories on there and uh Appreciate you having me, boys. Team Axe, is it AX? E yeah. AX. Team Axe. What is it, Kyle? Like Team Axe. Team Axe Foundation. Okay, that's what I thought. Perfect. I'm putting it across the screen. So for anybody watching, there it is. Let me know if I got it. Uh, got it right. There you go. Perfect. Okay, Kyle Quincy, man. Thanks for doing this. All right, boys. Thanks. Sequence. Yo, Kyle Quincy's a dope, dope player. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? Yo, bro, how are you, man? How are you, pal? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All oh, right, Max. What's going on, man? Tell us a little bit about. I got my name. You got my name right and everything, man. There you go, buddy. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing out there in Long Island, man. Well, well, well I, we're actually everything actually goes down in Connecticut, Danbury, Connecticut. Uh, we, we did it last weekend. It's the sec it was the second annual Mustache Classic. Uh, basically, what we do is we we put together a lot of the local pros from kind of the whole Northeast region. Uh, some guys you maybe heard of, may, probably probably a lot of guys you haven't heard of, but 
But uh, and then we get a lot of the beer leaguers and and especially a lot of benders and just good dudes that mm. that really want to get together and, and and raise money for men's cancer and suicide prevention. So last year we raised uh, a little less than seven thousand dollars in 2019, but this year in 2020, I'm proud to say we're up around sixteen thousand five hundred dollars raised uh, wow. this year. So uh, $16,500 and you're, are you guys still leading the way as of right now? As of right this moment, we are, I mean, it could change any minute. The New Jersey devils are putting in a, are putting in a pretty good effort, but you know, bro, it's just been amazing. We we've been able to raise so much behind this. You wouldn't even believe it. I mean, you know, uh, from day one, when I started this, we got involved with a sponsor called champion elevator and, Everything that I told them we wanted to do, they said, okay, okay, okay. And when you have somebody like that so committed to community and so committed to making something happen, dude, we we really changed a lot of people's lives. You know, I know up there in Canada, you guys got so many high-level players and stuff like that. And, and being from Queens, New York, we only have... We only have one guy who ever played in the NHL from Queens, New York. So it's a much smaller hockey uh, community. You know what I mean? But uh, we had so many people from my hometown get involved with so many people from New England. And we had people drive from upstate New York and Pennsylvania. And, and uh, you know, we had people originally people, some people that were originally from, you know, Canada, originally from the Czech Republic, originally from the U.K., so it's a lot. It's just a lot of different people that love hockey, love playing. Uh, this year, you know, I'm I'm really uh, Brady. I'm really, really thankful that you invited me on your show today, man. Because I just wanted to say, you know, um, you know, we we had the opportunity to have Doug Smith out. You know, the real Doug Smith, the inspiration behind the Goon movies. And I just want to make really clear right now. You know, you you have some big time guests. On your show, man, I see I see the level of of people and the and the history that these people have, and I, I'm in awe of it. But I'm telling you right now, I, I I in my own personal life never came across anybody that's an ambassador for hockey like the real Doug Smith. I'm just telling you right now, you wouldn't believe the way this guy literally rolled up his sleeves. Everything we asked him to do. Everything we asked him to get involved with, bro. He he refed the he he refed the la, uh, the last game for us. He threw on a referee's jersey and refed the last game for us. This guy's just an amazing. Uh, I'm telling you right now, you know, I was fortunate enough this this past year to go out to the to the NHL All Star game, and uh, the NHL should have Doug Smith at every single. They should fly his family out first class to every All Star game and. And, and get him out there meeting with the fans because let me tell you, this guy is just an incredible, it, it, you know, you see, you, when you deal with people like that, you never know what you're going to get, bro. And and the truth is, the guy is a fir- the nicest guy you would ever meet and he did so much for us. Get, you know, just, he threw a jersey up, he got out there, took, you know, took 100 pictures, he signed everything that anybody put in front of him. And another guy by the name of Jack Gregg, who was just as tough as Doug, that played in the minors, and he, he's out on Long Island now. And uh, th- th- this guy's incredible. He could be coaching in the minor leagues. He could be coaching in the Southern Professional League. The team probably win the whole thing if they put him as coach. But I'll tell you right now, you know, 
uh, those two guys really stepped up this year. It's the people from the hockey community that are involved in this. So that means the guy who loves hockey like crazy and he, he just started playing five years ago. And then hockey life is people like yourself that see what we're doing. And it's like, you know what? Let's give them an opportunity to come on our show. So we, we, we've been able to raise this much because of so many good people like you, you know, and so many good people willing to be like, hey, you know, we're not affiliated really with the NHL. I don't do tournaments or anything like that. It's not my business. Uh, I'm in marketing and advertising, but, uh, you know, communications, but, uh, you know, tournaments or nothing. It's not my business. So just we're just doing this as 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 individuals who who really have a have a. I don't know if you can curse on the show, but uh, oh yeah, you so can really Go have ahead. a passion for this. Shit. Yeah, really have a passion for this shit. You know what I mean? And uh, we 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 brought guys together. You know, one of our guys by the name of Lynn Beetle. You know, he's a two-time cancer survivor. He won couple national championships in college. He won a, a championship in the FHL. He played in the coast when it was really the coast. He played in the coast during the lockout. That 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 lets you know the type of skill the guy had. And you know, yeah. he's been such a big part of it. You know, like he's been such a big part of it. But then we also have guys, Brady, I gotta be honest with you, we had guys in this that never played in a tournament before in their life. Awesome. That's the best, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like it's it's and all it's all these people coming together. So there's not a there's not an air of uh, you know uh, I'm better than you or anything. You know we had women, awesome. we had beauty. That's women the best. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's what I love to hear, right? And and that's what it should be all about. And that's uh, that's sort of like the same thing with the Pucksport Foundation. It's there's no it's unlimited roster spots. It's it's all skill levels, all genders, uh, all of it. So whether it was a fan or a coach, whatever, uh, they got involved with you and got out on the ice first tournament. Oh, that yeah. is a that in, that itself to me is a huge success. You got somebody to come to their first hockey tournament or multiple people while raising over sixteen thousand dollars for prostate cancer um and as what is it suicide awareness as well right yes so we're involved with the movember foundation and and essentially they they cover everything that that really affects men so we're talking about testicular cancer usually number one prostate okay. cancer suicide you know we had we have uh you know one of the craziest things that happened last year brady if if you got a second for me to tell you is that we had a great guy in, in goal by the name of PJ Gamarano. And last year, uh, you know, PJ is a cancer patient and he's he's been he's been fighting hard and it, he's been doing good as of late, thank God, you know. But uh but uh, last year he, you know, we only did one game last year. It was kind of like an all-star game, and he had a shutout over the last two periods and he took the game home, you know, while he was while he was basically receiving chemo and, and treatments, wow. you know what I mean? So it's just That's amazing. That's awesome. It, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And I want to tell you, we have another guy that maybe some of the people, he's been a huge, I can't say enough about this guy too. His name is Lucio Batista. He's a finalist, multiple time finalist on American Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you guys get that up there. Oh but, yeah. You know, it's a huge TV show and he's, he's our referee. He, okay. He comes down and he, he referees for us. This guy's, he's also, He's also a, a world champion in several competitions, world champion mustache uh, holder. You know what I'm saying? So he, he he goes to these competitions. 
okay. with the, 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 the twirling. And he did some shit where he had like poison ivy. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, He's just man. crazy. He's the real deal, eh? That guy's awesome. Oh, yeah. We... We got we got a bunch of good guys that get involved with this. You know, we got one crazy. I'm gonna tag him in this one crazy dude that watches the Goon movie every single day, and he doesn't believe that people. He doesn't believe that people believe that he watches it every day. So now he started tagging everybody who comes to the classic as he's watching the movie every single day. Every single That's day the awesome. guy watches it. So. When he got to meet Dougie, man, you know, it, it was great. Dougie's a real gentleman. Dougie, so so this guy, this guy's name is Basil. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a grumpy old fuck, but he, he's a good guy, you know. And uh, he, uh, what can I tell you? Doug, you know, being the type of guy that he is, he, he had these posters. And Doug said that these posters were from the premiere of Goon, that all of his buddies stole the movie posters. Any poster they could find, they stole it off the wall. And uh, he gave one of the posters to this guy that watches the movie every single day, and he, he inscribed it to him, you know? So it's like, oh, dude, cool, all, man. you know what it is, bro? You know, it's you, you guys, you know, on this show, I see you guys. You guys were lucky to play at such a high level, and and you know, you, dude, you played in the Western Hockey League. You know what I mean? And 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 guys like me, bro, we played on an uneven rink shaped like a peanut in in Flushing Meadow Park in Queens. You know what I mean? We didn't really play too too high of a level. So just just to be able to to make something like this now for a bunch of guys who did play, and and then a bunch of guys who who were just getting getting uh getting that hockey resume built up. You there know? you go, buddy. Well, keep, hey, listen, man, keep it up. We appreciate all your hard work out there. And hopefully one day uh, in a few years, once I'm actually allowed to go over the border, uh, maybe I can come play in the mustache class. <laughs> oh, we got a few guys on our side who can't come over to your side. So don't worry about it, bro. You know what I mean? Well, we'll be the first guy. <laughs> all right, buddy. Okay, Matt. Hey, man, I appreciate you doing that. And I'll make sure the link is in the description for anybody that wants to donate. And I'll have it all over my Instagram page today, buddy. Hey, just just real quick, I want to thank you for doing the show, man, because you're giving hope to a lot of people and putting it out there that you can make a lot of productive use of your time if you just put your mind to it. And, man, yeah. you're doing a lot of good with the show. You're giving so many people a voice. So keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing, as we always say, man. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank keep you, man. Up, man. God okay. bless always. Later, man. What a cool guy he is, man. Got the New York accent and everything. That's one hell of a mustache. Holy shit. That's a deadly mustache. Puts mine to shame. Um, thank you, Matt, for joining me. Thank you for all that you do. Um, incredible work in the hockey community. Um, definitely making some noise uh, and getting the recognition he deserves. Maybe not quite yet, but he's getting there, and I'm sure uh, he'll get there because uh, this is incredible. Um, thanks again, Matt. Um before I go, guys, I know it's been an hour and a half. I just wanted to pay my respects to Noah Dugas. Noah Dugas, March 2nd, 2007 to November 13th. 2020th. It is with heavy hearts 
that the family announces Noah's passing with his loving family by his side. On Friday, November the 13th, 2020, at the hospital for sick children at the age of 13, Noah was an outstanding defenseman with the North Bay Trappers, AAA Trappers. He was a leader both on and off the ice and the best teammate any player could want. His warm and infectious personality has left a lasting impression on everyone who knew him. Noah was always a caring and thoughtful person who through the Trillium Gift of Life Network was able to enrich the lives of seven individuals with life-changing organ donations. Rest in peace, number 71. Hashtag Noah Strong. Hashtag 71 Strong. Thank you to Blair Buckman for for that piece. Yesterday they laid Noah to rest. That's the picture from North Bay. <sighs> Never forgotten. My heart goes out to the entire Dugas family. Never got to meet Noah, but I feel like a strong connection to the North Bay community. And he was in hospital shortly after I got there. And I know it's hitting the community hard. So just remember how precious life is, guys. Be grateful for what you have today. Tell the people in your life that you love them. I certainly don't do this enough. Thank you to Kyle Quincy. Thank you for all of his stories today. And thank you for sharing the story of his son, Axel. What an amazing story. Keep up the good fight, my little buddy, Axel Quincy. Be cool to let Lincoln and him meet one day. That'd be a, that'd be a cool day. Um, Thank you to Matt Caputo for, for hopping on and, and sharing uh, what they're doing down there in the States. Keep up the good work. It's tough out there, guys. And life is so precious. Brooklyn and Brody, if you're watching, if you're listening, 
I love you guys so much. Taylor, I can't wait for you to be here and for us to have a house and have all the kids here. Hadley, Lincoln, Beta, I miss you. I love you. Brooklyn and Brody, our door will always, always, always be open for you guys. Life is way too precious, isn't it? Time is way too short. There's never enough time in the day. What are you grateful for today? If anyone's struggling, reach out. If not to me, to somebody else. You do not have to. I repeat, you do not have to suffer or struggle alone. I don't have the answers. I can't make sit here and tell you that everything's going to be okay for sure. But I know that things will get better if you talk about it. If you reach out, things can only get better. Being alone is the worst place you can be. Thank you so much for listening. If you're watching, if you're listening, please subscribe. Please subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, the dogs are going off. Matt must be home. Maybe he's got a steep tea for me. <sighs> Again, I just want to tell you guys, this is available for purchase. The shot you didn't want to take. Education Center on Mental Health and Addiction and Sport on PuckSupport.com. Follow me on social media, at Hockey to Heroin. Follow the podcast, at Hockey to Hell. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I want to get off Facebook completely. I don't even want to really have a Facebook profile, to be honest. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, please. Uh, but to all my Facebook friends, don't worry. Uh, I'll always be there for you guys. I'm not really going to go anywhere. Uh, anyways, if you're struggling, like I said, please reach out. If not to me, to somebody else. Um, what a great episode. Thank you for spending your Sunday afternoon with us, Kyle Quincy. Thank you, man. And thanks to guys uh, like Ryan Kessler and all the others who continue to speak up. Colin Wilson. Shoutouts to all of you boys that are struggling and speaking up. You're making a difference. People are noticing. Remember, guys, have a great day if you so choose.